Hello, hello everyone and welcome to the most assembled podcast in the world, House of Games. Today I'm grouped up with my host, Mr. Otto. But what is an assembly without a special guest? Well, I don't know. I don't even know what assembly means. But I'm sure our special guest, Ida Fortnite, will tell us all about that in today's episode of House of Games. The game assembly gave me the experience I need to do game development. Cross-disciplinary collaboration. Both the teachers, like the knowledge that they have, but also the fact that they bring in people from the industry. Inspiration, collaboration, workflow. People were so passionate, which really made me feel like this is what I want to do. everyone to this week's episode of House of Games and especially welcome to our guest for this episode. So I think uh, as we usually do on this podcast, uh, without further ado, uh, Ida, would you like to just, uh, I guess, uh, tell us your real name and uh, a little bit about uh, what you do? My name is Ida Fontaine and I am the lead educator at the Game Assembly Stockholm. Uh, So that means that I am sort of administrative uh, jack-of-all-trades here at our Stockholm school together with my colleague Freja uh, and then we have uh, some more people like me uh, at, down in Malmö at our other school. Cool and I, uh, I think first of all for our viewers could you tell us just a sort of a hol- helicopter view or an overview over the game assembly as an education uh, place, I guess. Uh, you know, how many schools you have, how many students, what do you teach? Uh, a little bit of that. Yeah, so we're a game development school. Uh, we are uh, currently in two on site locations, which is Stockholm and Malmö. And we do also have a school in uh, the UK that has started quite recently. And I'm very sorry, but I don't know that much about our UK school because it's run very differently from the two schools in uh, Sweden. But in total, we have about uh, 175, 180 students in Sweden. And we educate game programmers, game artists, level designers, procedural artists, game animators and technical artists. So a lot of different cool. programs, but it, it differs a little bit between Stockholm and Malmö. Up in Stockholm, we have uh, programmers, artists and level designers and also um, procedural artists. And then the first three are repeated in Malmö, but th- down there they have animators and technical artists as well. Cool. And uh, tell us about uh, your role, role a little bit more, uh, like what you do and what's your sort of involvement with the education. So my involvement is that, first of all, I'm all the educators' uh, boss <laughs> in Stockholm. Nice. Uh, so um, I do all of the, you know, HR things here in Stockholm. But the most fun part of my, my job is that I'm education lead for our game programmers and level designers here in Stockholm, which means hmm. I sort of oversee the education. I mean, we have very competent and very good educators, but I help them in making sure we give our students the best possible education during their time here at the Game Assembly. Uh, yeah, I uh, read on the website, it says level designers, game programmers, graf- uh, spelgrafiker, I guess that's graphic game designers, a game artist, and uh, game animators. And here's the technical art, pro- procedural artist, and linear algebra and artist. What are those three? <laughs> So basically, I would say technical artist and procedural artist, they're quite similar to each other. It's imagine you have a programmer here and then you have a game artist here and they have a little love child. Then a technical (laughs) artist or a procedural artist is born. So our procedural Mm. artist uh, program is our newest and it's 
as long as the programming artist and level design uh, program. So it's two years on location here at school and then 30 weeks of internship. And it's a very new and exciting thing where they focus a lot on how to develop things procedurally. So mm. that means that instead of just creating everything, like maybe an artist would, you try to find technical solutions in order to procedurally generate things. So one of the good examples is that, for example, if you want to make a staircase, then you can make a staircase and then you program it to behave in certain ways. So you have different sliders and you can put the slider up and then you get a longer staircase and you can put another slider up and down and that would change how tall the steps are on the staircase. Mm. Um, I've also seen a super cool thing on LinkedIn where it's um, a procedural artist that created an octopus and then coding it so that when you sort of drag this octopus over a box then the mm. different arms will or tentacles will behave very naturally following mm. the octopus over this box to move in a natural way, even though it's cool. all digital. That sounds awesome, but it's also the... Uh, I have this... Uh, I, I'm a programmer and an artist at the same time, but I don't like procedurally generated things because I think that's <laughs> cheating. But at the same time, today I've been sitting all day programming the NPCs in my game to act in a very natural way that you as the player don't understand is they're actually sort of acting in a similar way but mm. i can simply play with the the inspector to make them act differently yeah. so as a player you don't see that in the under the hood it is the same script so i'm basically doing the thing that i hate which is <laughs> in quotes cheating but at the same time i think it's so fun because it's like this is really the problem solving of the solvingness like it's yeah. so much problem solving and, and when you get it right which i got like 30 minutes before we start recording it's just like champagne and like woo because yeah. <laughs> it works and it's just been sitting here for eight hours straight time trying to figure out yeah. how to make the janitor act in a certain way versus the mayor of this yeah, game and I'm for making. example so, like um for example, if you uh, create a building and the building is supposed to be a bit run down uh, and then your product manager, your lead shows up and it's like, oh, no, but we should have the hole in the wall over here instead. Then instead mm. of having to redraw the whole thing, then if you're a procedural or a technical artist, you can find ways to sort of just move that hole in the wall over there. And it just... Uh, magically looks good but so that is the procedural artist program and then we have a technical artist program that is more of a build-on program is a bit shorter than our other programs and I mean they do some similar things like a procedural artist but maybe not as focused on the procedural part and Houdini which is the uh, program that or procedural artists use a lot. But a technical artist, they can also do things like VFX in games and special effects and uh, shaders and things. Uh, but so it really is um, like the love child of an artist and a programmer, finding those technical solutions to art. Mm. Now that you know a little bit about uh, what you can uh, learn at uh, the school, so... Uh, could you just give us sort of a rundown of uh, what does like the average day look like for a student and what is sort of the, the arc from applying to all the way to after you graduate, what happens then? Okay, basically? so if we start with the small thing, like what is a regular day at the game assembly? We are very strict. We're on location every day, Monday to Friday, nine to six. Um, 40 hours a week it's like a full-time job and it's only uh, it's a vocational school so they there's very little theory it's more learning your trade being as good as possible within the two years that you're here before you go out on your internship so a regular day always starts with a stand-up at 9 15 
because we teach our students the agile methodology and working with uh, sprints. So stand up nine, uh, nine to 9.15 every morning. Sorry, what, what yeah. is a... I, I am as uneducated as a human being can get. What is a stand-up? <laughs> I was thinking you have like a stand-up comedian coming to class. But, uh, or, and then I thought you're standing next to the bench like we did when we were kids <laughs> and wait for the teacher to say sit down. And now yeah. we keep on talking. And I'm like, no, 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 it's none of those two. What, what is a stand-up? <laughs> okay, so a stand-up is um, a short meeting that is part of um, Agile methodology if you work with sprints. So... To wrap it back even further, working with sprints is that you sort of, when you develop a game, instead of doing like, okay, we're going to make this game, and then you work on it all the way until the finish line, and then you don't revise maybe as much. I mean, I hope you do anyway, but with the sprint methodology, it means that you work in two-week increments and always... uh, check up like where are we now after two weeks what is the goal for the next two weeks what do we have to cut do we need to add something what is not working what's working blah 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 Uh, so you sort of can work closer to the client and to sort of I mean in theory get a better end product sorry this is a very TLDR (laughs) with sprint methodology but the stand-up is the thing you do every day so you start every day with literally standing up in a circle and you discuss the three uh, different questions. That is, what did I do yesterday? What am I doing today? And is there anything hindering me from doing what I want to do today? So, so I'm standing there in a circle with my classmates and we take turns answering yes. those three questions. And that the idea is also to let my classmates know where I'm at. So, for example, if an artist relies on me for programming his dragon to do whatever, he get like a little bit of insight where I'm at. Is is that the point of it? Or like, why would I? Okay. Yeah. So the point is also like cross-disciplinary for everyone to more know what they're doing and to sort of just, it's a way to help communicating because it could also raise questions like, oh, I've been stuck with this tool that I'm trying to implement for several days. I can't make it work. And then others will know and they can help. Or like, maybe we need to have a meeting about this so that you're not sitting three more days with this. Maybe we can find a solution. Maybe we scrap it. Maybe we don't need the tool after all. So that is uh, the idea of it. And it's very, very common in the game industry to have stand-ups in the morning, which is why we do it here. Because the way we work here tries to mimic the game industry as much as possible. And that is also feedback we always get when we're out doing our internship uh, halftime assessments. The students are like, it's just like at school, but not as fast-paced. <laughs> cool. I really like that. Like, uh, like I mentioned, I... I, I went to a plumber high school, and the first thing our teacher said is, plumbers don't get homework, so you ain't going to get homework for the next three years. <laughs> and then we didn't have homework. So, And I, that was awesome for someone like me who is I'm yeah. not into studying. <laughs> but that reminds me of that. Like, uh, it was just the whole idea with the plumber school was just to do what you do when you're a plumber. So we used yeah. in the workshop most of the time welding and bucking pipes. Yeah. So that and, sounds and awesome. Mean- yeah, it is great because it's also it means it's a less of a cultural shock for the students when they get out on the internships. But it's also it ensures that we deliver a lot of very, very well equipped junior developers to the industry. The feedback we get from our supervisors and the people that then hire all of our students, the feedback we get again and again and again is that They're so well prepared. They're better than most juniors. Like us (laughs) going out on their internships, like they're still theoretically in school. The feedback we get is that they're better than a lot of juniors. And they haven't even finished. Uh, So it's very nice to hear that. But we've reached the first 15 minutes of the days in the every day of the school. (laughs) Um, So after that, They will work on their individual courses for about half the day. 
including having lunch, of course. Uh, and then towards the end of the day, they will work on their game projects, which is half of the uh, education. 50% of their time is spent in game projects at the game assembly. Cool. And uh, just a, a quick follow-up question. So mm -hmm. uh, could you go a little bit more into the individual courses? What are those? How does how do those work? And the game projects, is that like one giant project through like the two years or is it uh, small like uh, one month games or mm -hmm. how does that work? So we try to teach our students a little bit of everything. Uh, the last semester before going out on their internship, they can sort of specialize themselves a bit. That's mainly for sorry, the programmers. The so, sorry. What uh, what is a semester? Is that like uh, a season, like six months? Okay, so uh, for no, two so years. School, that's school, uh, a school semester. So you have uh, uh, the the spring semester and the fall semester. So uh, okay. termin in Swedish. <laughs> for right. the so there's four semester per, for a two-year education, that's four semesters, yes. and the last one is, okay, cool, sorry. Uh, and, and that's mainly for the programmers that they start specialized that late. Uh, actually, our uh, artists, for example, they start having smaller courses where they get more free reign into what they want to do, so they can start specialized a bit earlier. But the general concept with our individual courses is that it will teach you a little bit about everything. So an artist will learn 2D, 3D, sculpting, work a little bit with VFX, work a little bit with animation, just learning a little bit of everything. Our programmers as well, they have different courses in uh, various things. Uh, Artificial intelligence programming, uh, network programming, graphics programming, like they learn a little bit about everything, basically. And then you can specialize towards the end when you make your portfolio, which you use in order to find yourself an internship. So that's a little bit about the individual courses. And then we have the game projects. And there we do eight game projects in total throughout the course of the program here at school, the two years. And they vary a bit in uh, size. So I think the shortest one is a month. It's teeny tiny. And the longest one, I think it must be the last one they make because then they do it full time. Uh, so they don't have any individual courses towards the end. Then, then they just sit 40 hours a week creating a game. But they vary a bit in size, and we also give them different genres that they're making. So they're not always making the same kind of game. They make a mobile game, they make a platformer, they make a first-person game, they make a Diablo-esque game. So they do a little bit, they try to do a little bit of everything. <laughs> But these uh, game projects, like, is it the whole class working on one or is it smaller groups and they work on, or can you even, can I work on my own? They are smaller groups. You can't do it on your own because they're also like part of the course uh, criteria are things that means that you need to learn how to work cross-disciplinary. You need to learn how to work with others and adapt your work based on the needs of the group. So they're about 10 to 15 per group. And in the first year, they uh, we swap the groups every project. So they get to work with different people and get to know each other. And then the second year, uh, they are put in the same groups for the full year. Mm, okay. Right. Very, I mean, it's, uh, first of all, it's like I say, it feels like a very serious education that uh, there's a lot of stuff that feels like really cool that you, for example, like uh, towards the end working 40 hours a week uh, on a game project feels really, you know, it must be that you really get into what it's like in the real world, world yeah. so to speak. So, yeah, 
Very. I mean, very we cool. have to adapt a little bit because we're not a game studio. We are a school. So, of course, there are adaptions. We can't mimic exactly everything. But we try as much as possible to prepare them for the industry they're going into afterwards. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, you know, I could really tell uh, it's a, a bit different from a different school with, that we've talked to in in a, another episode that uh, here it feels a lot like, as you say, really trying to mimicking the, the work in a studio and really almost like a job, except for like it's a sort of an apprentice job almost, mm. I would say. And we have... We have very, very high expectations on our students, and it's a very hard program. You won't make it unless you actually spend the time needed. Like, you just won't. It's a hard program, and we expect a lot of our students. But if you, if you get your uh, diploma in the end, you're going to be very well equipped for the industry. Well, that, that's good. I mean, that, that, it sort of adds some sort of prestige to it, like uh, Oxford, but for, for gaming. Eventually, I mean, if, if this school keeps growing, it might be uh, that kind of status when you have made it through <laughs> two, three years of hell in that school. I usually call us I usually call us the military school of game development mm. education. <laughs> like, it, we have students uh, or we have people that want to apply to the school that come up to me at like a high school jobs fair or whatever it is and they're like oh so like can you work from home do you have like um, we're like no like <laughs> go to another school i don't know what to tell you like <laughs> or like go yeah. be on location here for two years and then find an internship where you can work remotely like that's perfectly fine but the concept we have here is very strict and very uh, hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, I love uh, how you're uh, um, apologetic about it. And uh, I think it uh, really feels like a good strategy, you know, to... I mean, it's better, as you say, if it's uh, really the case that they say that, you know, real world is like uh, the game assembly, except not as strict, then that's, you know, you you can't be better prepared for work in real life than that i think so yeah no they're very well prepared and the internships are usually vacation for them because that's also the thing we're a vocational school our programs can't be longer than a certain amount of time so it is very condensed and very intense but also we don't want to take things away from it we don't want to lower the level of what we teach our students right so it is hard i'm not gonna lie yeah. <laughs> i mean i think it sounds awesome because it's it really is if you if it is as tough as you say or if the the students reckon it is it, you know that's just better when you start working like you said it, it for some students it feels easier to go <laughs> to work than to school and that yeah. just you're so equipped for that kind of stuff. I, I told my my wife like when we moved back to Sweden, and she's worried about how do people work in Sweden and stuff. I'm like, well, you're Japanese. Like working in Sweden is like ten times easier than here. <laughs> yes. It's gonna be so easy for you <laughs> to 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 get used to it. And I mean, you're gonna crush it. Don't worry about it. And like, it sounds kind of like that. People don't expect of you to work ten hours overtime every week. No, <laughs> exactly. Magic. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds. Mm. Um, it sounds really cool. I, I, I like what I'm yeah. hearing. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm uh, thinking that for our listeners, so you've listened to this and you feel like this is really the school for me. I really think I would fit in in this school. So then how do you get into the school? Is there some like uh, process for that you have to have this amount of experience or do you have to have a portfolio or can you come straight out of high school or another industry and just learn all of the stuff at your school, or how does that work? So all of the programs in Stockholm, they're uh, like base programs. So you can come straight out of high school, but you need a high school diploma to be able to be 
yeah, to be eligible to apply. So you need a high school diploma, and then uh, some programs in Sweden, for example, don't uh, automatically have English six. So that is in- something you need to have as well. And for programming, you need to have uh, math three. And then for our procedural artist program, you need math two. And these are like a lot of Swedish courses that will make a lot of sense to you if you're Swedish. But if you're not, like, yeah, there are good services to translate your high school diploma. But main thing is that our school and the courses we give are in Swedish. So you need to have a good understanding of Swedish and you need to be able to prove Uh that in some way. No, so we do have students from the Nordics. That's generally not a problem. Like we have the occasional Norwegian, Danish. Uh, um, I was going to say Faroe Island students, but that's a lie. We've never had a students for the Faroe Islands. Please apply. That would be super cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we also do have students that are from outside of Scandinavia, but have maybe lived in Sweden for a long time and have a good understanding of Swedish. Or things like that. But yeah, so you do apply through a website that's called ihoantagning.se. <laughs> and for all of our programs, except for programming, you need to apply with a portfolio as well. Where you showcase five, uh, or at most five different pieces that showcase who you are as an artist. And that is used in the selection criteria. And then after the portfolio, then you will be called to an interview if you score one of the highest. And after the interview, we know who gets in or not. And um, a question I always get is when are the interviews? And they're always the same week as Midsummer. The only (laughs) program that doesn't have portfolios are the programmers. And then Uh, they do an online test beforehand, but they also do another test when they get here for an interview. So we can make sure it was them who did the test online. (laughs) Oh, okay. Clever. Yes. Cool. Very nice. Uh, Yeah, interesting. So I was just going to ask about that you said earlier about international students. So you make the education mainly in Swedish, so that's the the target audience, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, So how how many applicants do you get per year if there is an average or anything like that versus how many spots? It's so hard to say. It changes every year. And I think this year it's going to be more than ever. Uh, or, I mean, it gets more and more every year, but it's also the curve is not very straight upwards, but it really depends on like the pandemic, more people studied, uh, the recession, more people will study, uh, things like that. But uh, I mean, we get hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of applications. And then the game artist program is for sure. The most popular. I think we opened the applications a little more than a week ago, and I think we could already fill a class. Like it's, uh, and then programming. We those classes are very very big because we're quite a program heavy school uh, or programming heavy school. So uh, then it's like it's not as many applying and we have a bigger class to fill so it's a little less competitive but I mean we do have hundreds and hundreds of students applying every year so obviously not everyone get in yeah right I'm just uh, asking for a friend so (laughs) in my case I'm a I am I have none of what you said that I need so this uh, procedural artist program you said that you need to have uh, English something and also another thing to get in but someone like me who has nothing I only have like the the basics of everything but I do have released and published four games does that hold anything in terms of like applying like can I sort of get in there anyway without having all these things that I actually need 
Yes. So that's a great question because yes, you can. So we can always bring people on if we feel that they have what it takes to be able to graduate towards the end. And the thing, especially in your case, where you have a lot of like real life competence, you have a lot of experience from life, you would have to click that uh, when you apply, which is called real competence in Swedish. And then you showcase that in your cover letter or person like in your portfolio like you mentioned that like hey I know I don't have English 6 but I've I've released four games I think I would be fine and then we can say that yeah we agree I think you will be perfectly fine and you're you also have one of the best portfolios because the portfolio will still be scored okay so um yeah. No, but that's a very good question and that it's very doable. Do you have a lot of those students who have done games and released before they apply? Because and if so, why would they go to school if they're already in the industry? Or is this just <laughs> a better way of getting into a bigger company? Like in my case, I'm just grinding away as an indie developer, but I honestly would love to work for a bigger company mainly because I want to be a part of a team it's quite boring to sit in this corner all mm. day long by myself so I can imagine for me why I would like to get into a school like this and then that would be like a stepping stone into a company or is there any other reasons for people to do that uh, we do not have a lot of we do not have a lot of students who have worked in the industry previously that sort of come to us to start over from the beginning. It does happen, though, on the technical artist program, because that is sort of an add-on program. Uh -huh. So there we have people that have worked as artists previously, but want to be become more technical and learn all of those programs that you use as a technical artist. Mm. Uh, but what we do see quite often <laughs> are students that have gone to another game development education of some sort and they go to us as well i sometimes feel like we're <laughs> seen as a bit of a game industry uh job uh, what's it called um job agency <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, i mean it kind of sounds like it uh your track record and the prestige and all that stuff it it's almost like yeah uh, it, it uh, almost sounds like that's where you want to go if you want to get into the industry yeah and i mean that also shows how competitive it sometimes is to get in because we have students that have already three years of game development education that get in and do sort of two and a half more years here and then they start working in the industry so, uh, yeah, I think especially the more theoretical university programs, uh, we see some coming from there. It seems a bit harder to find a job in the industry afterwards in some cases. I do feel that the vocational schools have a bit of an edge there because we are actually in part run by an advisory board with people from the industry that sort of shaped education. So, oh. um, yeah, it's uh, a bit different. Yeah. Hmm. And another thing related to applying to the school. So imagine that you want to uh, start uh, this education, but you don't know if it costs or how does that work? Uh, the fi financial bit, is there some sort of like student loan you can take for it or do you yes you can get a, a full or? full student swedish full swedish student loan so it doesn't cost anything so you get i mean it's not much but you get full student loan if you go here and you're applicable right. for a student loan to begin with yeah 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 cool very nice yeah yeah and uh sort of uh, do you have any plans on uh, expansion or what does the sort of future look for look like for the school is there something like uh, if you could dream a little bit like uh, 
you know, you had unlimited resources and you can build a school to whatever you want to. Do you have any goals or, or dreams or anything about that? No, we, we like, <laughs> this is very boring answer, but we feel we have a good thing going. Uh, we prefer to just perfect the thing we already have going and yeah. make it as good as possible and make it as good of an experience for the students and for later on the industry when they get the students from us as possible. So uh, we want to just perfect what we already have. We are not right. really looking to expand a lot or like add on a lot of different programs like i'm not saying it mm. won't happen maybe we will add new programs uh we i mean we did with procedural artists uh last year but um generally we just want to get a good thing going and uh, perfect what we have <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i would say it's a, a great answer i mean it's uh, focusing on quality primarily and then you know, quantity will happen, perhaps. So I, I think that's a good approach. To, yeah, and we do yeah. have like our programs change a lot all the time because we do yeah. adapt to the industry and we try to always improve. So even it, like we've had, for example, Game Programmer, we've had that since 2008 in Malmö, but the program, what the program looked like in 2008 is very far away from what it looks like now. But the main concept of mimicking the industry and having half the education being game development, working in game projects, we feel that's a concept that works and we just want to continue building on it. But uh, how... Uh, when I went to the plumber high school, we went from copper pipes to plastic pipes. So we had to learn mm -hmm. how to deal with that. So I'm, now my question, how do you, you said you mimic the industry. What does that, ex like a more concrete example, is it like you teach your student new game engines? Or is it like games are becoming more like a, a, a service nowadays? So we're going to focus on make a game as a service or how exactly, can you give like an example on how, yeah. how you mimic the industry? I mean, so, for example, the procedural artist program was sort of a want. It was an ask from the industry that they see all of this new tech coming and the need for this kind of competence, uh, including this uh, program, Houdini. Um, so then we started doing uh, or creating that program. Then uh, very recently, uh, our game artist program has gone from Maya to Blender uh, because we see that it's becoming more and more common in the industry. Uh, so we have changed. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned engines because, I mean, in 2008, Unity wasn't a thing. Uh, but our students work in Unity for the first two game projects. And then uh, this is sort of what makes us a bit special because our students then start working in our in-house engine oh, cool. for the last mm -hmm. part of the first year. And in the second year, they create and work in their own engines. Wow. Which is a bit different from a lot of other schools that mainly focus on Unity and Unreal. Yeah. The, your own in-house engine, like can the students improve upon it? And is there like a, a long-term yeah. goal to make that like the next Unreal Engine by <laughs> students? <laughs> I mean, we, we, we use it as uh, an educational tool and it's constantly improved upon. We have uh, educators here that have uh, 15 years of experience working with Frostbite, uh, which is the engine of DICE, for example. So uh, we work a lot um with improving it, but the students can also implement things. I mean, they have a course about creating tools. So they create tools and implement them wow. in the engine cool. uh, and things like that. Or, I mean, yeah. let me tell you, I'm not a game developer, but I mean, they do a <laughs> lot of cool things. For example, um, like if the artists say, oh, but I, I need to 
get this into the engine, mm. then the programmers have to sit and be like, okay, but how do we make that work? Wow. Like right now, there's no way to put these files into the engine. How do we solve that? So things like that. This sounds super cool. Uh, I do have one question that it's more, a little, a little bit more philosophical maybe. I mentioned before mm -hmm. that I, I sort of see myself with a, I'm a little bit of an artist, but I'm also like a programming, sol problem solving kind of guy. And uh, one thing uh, I wanted to ask, and it, it might come across harsh, but I've always been somewhat skeptical to education, especially in the sort of opinion slash creative space. And like, for example, normal education, like my son, for example, in Japan, go to Japanese uh, kindergarten and so on. I can see the importance in that because they sort of teach kids to, they shape them to become somewhat alike, which is, I think, is a good base for uh, adulthood to function in a society. I know in Western culture, we are sort of leaning away from that a little bit and more into individuality or whatever it's called. But... When it comes to creativity, I'm I'm thinking like uh, I'm a little bit more skeptical because I I fear that the education, uh, like if you're being educated by, like say one teacher is educating twenty students, isn't he sort of influencing the way they think and the way they sort of conceptualize art and so on? And then my I guess my only argument I have for why I fear this is that uh, I think that if you watch a Hollywood movie, if you watch one, you've basically seen them all. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like they're all written by the same people from the same school, going through the same program. <laughs> and when I wrote a movie, when I was younger, I lived in the States and worked as an au pair. I sent it into some, some sort of competition thingy. And they told me, they gave me feedback and they said that they're, they talked about a red thread that is supposed to be through mm. a movie. So it's a build-up and a climax moment and then mm. down and something like that. And I was shocked. I was like, why would I follow some sort of rules on how to make a film? Then it's just going to be like everything else. And now in the gaming industry, I almost feel like a lot of these AAA blockbuster games feel so samey from a story perspective in particular. Yeah. And Odo and I were talked about this many times about Unreal Engine. If you Google, for example, or YouTube, Unreal Engine, top 10 games coming out. I mean, they all look the same because here yeah. you have an engine that creates the same art and it's just different people putting the trees in different... So it's it just all looks the same. And on top of that, you have the storytelling that I'm... I'm I, maybe I'm just imagining it, but I feel like it's become somewhat samey. So then mm. my go-to answer is, well, maybe it has to do with education that because education is sort of making people samey. The same way my mm. son is very similar to, especially in Japan, you know, they wear uniforms, they all look the same from a distance. <laughs> but you really have to get up closer to see the difference between mm. these kids and their personalities and so on. But I, I don't know, am I onto something here? I do, you mentioned before that especially with the, the creative part in this program, they start to specializing. And I, I did like the sound of that because then it sort of sounds like they're branching off to be their own artist or their own, you know, creative person. Yeah, and, and I think it's such a good question, and I think you have a lot of very valid points, because, I mean, we do have full-time employed educators here. Uh, we don't have consultants coming in, doing one course, and then they fuck off, and then there's a new one coming in. We have the same educator all the time, which doesn't stop us from having, like, a gazillion guest lectures every semester, uh, we're reaching a point where our second year students are like, we need to focus on our work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we have so many guests. Um, but like, for sure, we do have the same educators and they, they will shape them in a way in how to approach their craft. Uh, but at the same time, we do have the courses where they're given the artistic freedom to specialize in what they want to do the most and or just uh, push themselves to try a lot of different things um, and I would say based on what the portfolios look like when they start applying for internships they are so different from each other so I feel uh, in one way yes we sort of shape them into a mold but maybe that's more regarding how to approach the craft and 
uh, maybe soft skills because that's very important to us. They work 50% in groups. You can't be a dick. No, but like you have to <laughs> learn how to work with others. Uh, but the end product, like the portfolios, they look so different that I feel we at least give them the chance to find out who they are themselves as artists. <laughs> cool. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's, very yeah, nice. it's uh, I guess it's my example with the, well, our own kids, how they're being shaped yeah. to become this super organism, but then eventually they will spread <laughs> out and do their own thing. So I guess it's, yeah, uh, I, mean, I suppose it's the And same. also like even our programmers, but we can see a bit that it goes in waves too, especially if the industry say, oh, we really want tool programmers, then we will see more students focusing on tools programming. Um, and for example, I think we're seeing maybe a shift where more artists try to uh, look into environmental art right now, because we have had... Um, people from the industry coming in saying, oh, you know what? We would really like some environment environment artists. Yay. Um, so there are definitely also waves of what is the most popular uh, right now. But that changes too. Yeah, this environmental art, this is just a, a thought I had now when you mention it. This procedural artist and environmental art, I think that's a good match because my work what i don't like with procedurally generated stuff like i said i think it's cheating and also it's, it makes everything looks quite samey but i can imagine that imagine you have like an environmental artist and a, a procedural artist and then we make the skyscraper and then we just through a, a a menu on the side you can basically tell who lives here this in this house there's a middle-aged man who likes to drink beer and watch football lives and then <laughs> this this engine then creates that atmosphere in that his apartment while on, across the hall from him there's a totally different person lives mm. there and you could so that sounds cool uh but I, I mean i imagine that's something that's going to happen in the future that we just type in things on the side and that but then you need the environmental artists who have that sort of sense of how does a house look like where there is a, a single middleman beer alcoholic yeah. guy living or whatever it may be so that, that yeah, sounds same thing with ai like ai will it might replace the mediocre game developers but it will never replace the really good ones true interesting yeah very nice and uh, you know, it feels like we could uh, talk about about uh, all these things for another three hours, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we are approaching one hour. So uh, before we end the episode, first, Ruin, do you have anything else you want to ask or anything when I bring up? No, I'm 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 happy with that. That was uh, awesome. I mean, I have a million more questions, but uh... <laughs> yeah, same, same. I did, uh, did, did, did. Let me see, Jericho. I'll trade. I do have one more. Ah, well, ah, I'm fine. That's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's save it for for the next one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thank you so much. I think uh, also like uh, just uh, hearing that you have an in-house engine. I think we could probably do mm. a, an entire episode on that. <laughs> uh, I, so I can yeah. I can deliver Bjorn to uh, let him evangelize about uh, our in-house engine and discuss. Yeah, he's also incredibly passionate about uh, how colors are shown on screens oh, and such. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a big nerd in the best kind of way. Perfect. Uh, we would love to have him on the show. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I think that's uh, that's going to be it for our episode. But I think before we let you go, so please uh, plug everything you want and uh, give us uh, your best... Uh, Elevator pitch for why people should choose uh, the game assembly. <laughs> okay, so I don't know. I think if this sounds intriguing to you, if you accept our concept that it is, like I said, the military school of game development, you're expected to be here 40 hours a week. You're expected to put down a lot of work. 
it will make you into an excellent game developer. And I mean, I've also been like, it's very hard. Like, you have to be ready for it. But we do something right because the amount of alumni that everywhere want to come back and tell them about their tell the other the students now about their time at the game assembly and want to share all the tips and tricks like people like going here and they have a good experience and they want to come back uh so we have a good thing going we believe in our concept and we might seem a bit old school and it isn't for everyone i fully understand that but uh I mean, apply if it sounds interesting to you. I think the application period ends 5th of May. And we do have actually uh, an open house on location in Stockholm and on location in Malmö on the 4th and 5th of March, if I'm not mistaken. But that's on the website. So you can just cool. check very nice, and we'll make sure to link that. Um, thank you again so much for being our wonderful guest, and uh, we uh, we look forward to doing another episode about this uh, school. Uh, there's a lot to cover, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, thank you, Rune, for being my amazing co-host, as always. And, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. So, um, again, uh, send in a voicemail if you have anything to say to us uh, or a comment. And uh, what else? All of the links are in the description. And uh, please uh, listen next week as well. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye. 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 I felt like I was uh, well equipped. At the Game Assembly you learn so many programs already. So you're in the mindset of learning. It's not just reading theory. It's actually getting in the game engine and working with the games. The Game Assembly really prepared me for working in the studio. A lot of the workflow is very similar, but it's in a AAA studio setting, so suddenly everything was very real. TGA did a really good job of giving me a wide knowledge of what it takes to work in the industry, and I was relieved by that and felt prepared. When I came to SharpMob, I immediately felt a part of the team in a social way, but also that I actually can create something and have it in the game, and people are satisfied with it. Without TGA, I wouldn't be able to bring something to the table just when I started out. We solely focus on cooperation first. Every single day they make games together. We make game developers out of our students and on top of that have discipline strength in designing and making art and programming.